stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspiring really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show, and this is Joyce Bender with a cold. I have to apologize ahead of time to all my listeners, but you know what? Even that airborne did not stop me from getting this cold. But hey, the show must go on. That's what I said when they asked me about doing the show today. I said, at Voice America, the show must go on. So when you hear me coughing, don't be nervous. Just have a little head cold here. Uh, But one of the reasons I didn't want to miss this show is because of how important it is. Because today we have a world leader in the area of disability. And I always tell people, I say that disability is a disability no matter what country you live in, such as myself, I have epilepsy, and no matter where you are, if you have a seizure, you are having a seizure. I am so honored to have today an international guest and an Eisenhower Fellow, Dr. Nafis Rahman, as my guest. He is the director of the National Forum of Organizations Working with the Disabled. Nafis, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Joyce. Well, it is an honor to have you, and I must tell you that I heard about you first from someone all of our listeners throughout the world know very well. That would be Mr. Andy Imperato, very close friend of mine, and I'm on the executive board of the American Association of People with Disabilities. Uh, But when Andy speaks about someone as highly as he did about you, we want to get you on the show. So my first question for our listeners throughout the world, is could you tell them what caused you to work in the area of disability? Well, thank you very much. And uh, before I get to that question or or its answer, uh, let me say how great a person Andy is. I was so impressed meeting him. He's a really great person, and uh, I've also tried to listen to some of his recordings on your show, and they were great. Well, coming to your question, uh, Joyce, uh, I think I came to this uh, field more by by accident, or uh, I don't know what what caused me to come into this place. I I come from Bangladesh. Uh, it's a very small country, uh, and uh, as you said, doctor. Yes, I'm by education med- uh, medical doctor. Uh, in our country, when you when you've completed your medical education, your training. Uh, in order to go for any specialization, you have to work at least three years in a public hospital or a reputed private hospital. Now, I completed those three years of work, and before I was going into any any kind of specialization, uh, I was trying to uh, look ahead and think where I was heading for, uh, because in, in my country and in many countries of the world, including the U.S., the way I see medical professionals, uh, it's, it's sad to say that most of them have become money-making machines. Uh, they don't have the 
social commitment as much as it's expected from this profession. So it was more by conscience that I'd, I tried to try something else, uh, something different, just for a change possibly. And I got this opportunity to work in an international organization on a two-year contract basis. Uh, this was on disability. So as I joined this organization, they, they gave me a, a appointment letter which said that I would be going through a three-month probationary period, which means at the end of three months, they would decide whether they would keep me or not. And I also thought that I should take these three months to make the best use of it and decide whether I should stay in this field or not. And you know what? It was, it was like a drug. You know, I just came into this field, started meeting persons with disabilities, mingling with them, go down to their families, talk to their prob- about their problems, meeting the le- leaders that we had in our country that time. We didn't have many professionals in our country that, that time uh, in Bangladesh in this field. So I was sort of one of the earlier professionals coming into these, this field in Bangladesh. And uh, three months later, I just thought this is much more meaningful uh, than what I was trained to become. And that's it. Uh, 14 years I'm in this field. And I, I could tell you that uh, many people have followed my footsteps now in my, in my country. Well, that's good. That's wonderful. Yeah, I cannot imagine uh, that you see very many people with disabilities in the workplace in Bangladesh. Oh, yes, we do. We do. It's, 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 that's, uh, that's very surprising. I say that because in the United States, we have a 65% unemployment rate for Americans with disabilities, with significant disabilities, as is the same in Canada. But I've noticed that in other third world countries it's worse. So you're saying it's not like that in Bangladesh? Uh, well, when you say 65% <laughs> unemployment rate, which yeah. basically means that 35% of disabled people are employed. And uh, in, in countries like Bangladesh, we, we go not even close to 1%. So, so we, don't, we don't even try to count the percentage of how many people have found employment. We have so many problems for persons with disabilities in, in a country like Bangladesh. Uh, you don't have access to education. You don't have access to... Uh, if you don't have access to education, you don't have access to employment. So, you see, uh, in the workplace, you don't get to see too many people, but if you're out in there, uh, if you go out to the communities, and 80% of our people live in rural areas, so you will find plenty of persons with disabilities out there. I see what you mean. I understand. Well, could you explain to our listeners what the National Forum of Organizations Working with the Disabled does? What is that organization? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's a pretty long name, right? Uh, National Forum of Organizations yes. Working with the Disabled. Uh, the name, you, you will find this, this word forum in it, which means it's, it's an apex federating body of all the organizations that work in disability field in our country. So we work as sort of an interface between the government and the NGOs that are working in the field of disability in Bangladesh. Oh, that's okay, I see. So, yes, we, we try to 
we try to uh, coordinate the work of the NGOs and and uh, we try to raise awareness and mostly we we are a policy advocacy platform and uh, over the years the government also has recognized as the the national think tank on disability and how long have you been involved with that this organization as the director uh well as the director i'm here for the last 6 6 years just over 6 years but uh before joining this place, I used to work in an international organization. I, I worked in an organization called ActionAid. It's a UK-based organization, and uh, in their disability program, from its very early stage, I worked there eight years. And uh, you can tell, say that the last five years of those eight years, uh, I have been very active with this network also. So uh, initially as a member... Uh, representing ActionAid in this, and then as an elected executive committee member of this. And then in 2002, I, uh, when I joined this network as its first director, uh, I, I left my job, my previous job, with an international organization and joined the national movement here. All right. And Dr. Rama, we do have a question for you from a listener, Linda, in uh, Philadelphia. And the question is, uh, Dr. Rahman, I think it's wonderful what you're doing. What would you say to you is the biggest obstacle for people with disabilities living in Bangladesh? Uh, it's, it's very difficult to say which is the biggest. We have many different challenges. Firstly, we don't have access to education. Uh, in, in Bangladesh, uh, we have... Uh, a law which says that uh, the first five years of schooling for any child aged between 6 to 12 is free and mandatory. Now that free part is being uh, enforced, but, but when it comes to mandatory, that is not being enforced. So many children are not in schools. Uh, if you look at the disabled children, we have about 1.6 million disabled children within that school-going age, but only 4% of that 1.6 million disabled children have access to education. And as I was mentioning earlier, that if you don't have education, finding employment is a very, very stiff challenge. So they don't have access to employment either. We're trying to find sources of alternate employment or self-employment. And another big challenge is accessibility or the lack of it. Uh, in the U.S., I've been here almost two months now, and I've traveled to many parts of this, of this great country. Uh, anywhere I've been, I've seen in most cases you have accessible transports also, uh, which means that uh, a car with a lift. But in my country, even in 2008, we don't have, either in the private sector or the public sector or the government sector or the development sector, we don't have one vehicle, not one vehicle which has a lift. So people have to be physically lifted out of their wheelchairs and shifted into a car. Or we would rent a van, take out the seats, put a makeshift ramp, and then try to get them in and out of that. We don't have uh, curb cuts. We have uh, 
buildings which are not accessible. So uh, I would say uh, the access to education, access to employment, and, access, and physical accessibility. These are the three biggest challenges. If we could take care of these, then the other, other challenges possibly we could have taken care of. So it's difficult to say which, which is the worst or which is the biggest challenge here. Okay. It's hard to say which is the worst because you have so many. Oh, yes, yes. And every single one links to the other, isn't it? No. If you don't have you know, built infrastructure, if that is not accessible, if the schools are not accessible, you cannot bring children. Uh, if, uh, well, without physical accessibility, there are different kinds of disabled children which don't need physical accessibility, but they could, bring in, you know, could be brought into the schools but the teachers are not trained. Uh, and you see, in, in the U.S., in any, any school, the standard class size is one teacher for 30 students. In our country, the standard recognized class size is one teacher for 60 students. Oh, my goodness. But, Imagine but, that, one yeah. teacher for 60 students. Yes. And, and hold on, folks. We're going to talk more about this when we come back, but we've got to take a couple minutes and go to break, and then we'll be back with Nafis Raman, and he is a leader in the world for people with disabilities. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Have you ever thought about having your own Internet talk show? Well, if you said yes, then click About Us. Then click Be a Host to get more information. Or just call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417. Say that again? 480-294-6417. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. 
VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back, and if you just joined us, here I am with a cold on the air. But you know what? When you have a great guest like this one, Mr. Doctor, I should say, Nafis Rahman, you have to be on no matter what. And he is the director of the National Forum of Organizations Working with the Disabled, visiting our country, so highly spoken of by Andy Imperato, that we wanted to have a chance to have him on the show with us. And Nafis, I wanted to talk to our listeners for a minute about the GONFO collaboration with the UN Economic and Social Commission for Asia and the Pacific. Could you explain what that is to our listeners? Uh, well, uh, the, it, it, it's basically the geo, NGO collaboration, which mm-hmm. means the non-government organizations and, and government. Government organizations and non-government organizations collaboration. Uh, you see, uh, the Economic and Social Commission for Asia and the Pacific, uh, or in short, SCAP as it's called, this is uh, the, uh, the re- regional office of United Nations in, in that region with its headquarters in Bangkok. And uh, any, uh, any of the international frameworks that the United Nations has, uh, it's, it's being taken care of or monitored or, uh, or supervised by the UNSCAP there. So uh, at the same time, uh, it's, it has its independence also. So uh, when we had the global decade on disability, following that, from the SCAP region, the UN also came up with a regional decade. And that was from 2000, uh, 1993 to 2002. And again, following that decade from 2003 to 2012, uh, another decade is now going on. It's called the Biwako Millennium Framework, or in short, BMF. Now, uh, in Bangladesh, since we are working very closely with the government, uh, we have a very good reputation in that region also. And the UNSCAP has recognized Bangladesh as the best practice government and NGO collaboration in that region. So what we can do is the United Nations is a body of the government. It's an intergovernmental body. So they do have some uh, specific areas when, where the non-government organizations can participate, but it, the policy decisions here are all taken up by the government. And since in Bangladesh, the government and on behalf of all the NGOs, NFOWD, uh, we work very closely. We can influence a lot of decisions in the United Nations, and we have actively participated in many of those. All these international or regional decades that, that have come there, uh, we have played, played a very important and significant part in either shaping those or monitoring those or coming up with the reviews so, so that's, that's how we have a, a, a very good uh, position uh, as a nation, as a teamwork of, of the government and the NGOs, and as an NGO network 
in that region. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, we, you know what, Nafis, we really need to work more together because disability, as I said before, is disability no matter where you are. And people with disabilities want quality of life no matter where they are located. But I did want to ask you, could you talk in a little bit more detail um, about the situation for people with disabilities in other countries? You've talked a little bit about Bangladesh. What about countries like China? Well, uh, Joyce, I think that's where uh, you have to excuse me because uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure about what, what is happening in China. I don't have much experience there. Uh, uh, only knowing the fact that most of the programs there are operated or supported by the government. Uh, so it, it, it's tough for me to talk about uh, the experience in China. It's, it's, a, it's a very big country with uh, not a lot that we know about uh, that, that comes to the external world or, or to us what, what's going on there. Uh, but I could imagine with uh, a huge population and a huge section of that being persons with disabilities, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really not, not sure how to respond to that question. What about in other countries in Asia? What is the situation like? Well, uh, if, if, you look at, if you look at other countries like India, for example, uh, in India there, there are, uh, well, they, they say that their national statistics uh, quote something like 3% of the entire population. Uh, they have some very good laws on disability, and uh, they have a very big and strong civil society movement there. Uh, so in the rural areas, again, in any of the countries in that same region, in, in Bangladesh or India or Pakistan or Nepal, or in any of the countries in that region, uh, you see that there are some services in the townships or the urban areas, but the rural areas are mostly untouched. But in India, for example, uh, they have some good laws, and they have a, they're, they're building a very strong education system. So a number of disabled children do have access to, a large number of disabled children do have access to education. And I, I think education is the key. Uh, if, you, if you have education, if you have proper training, if you, then you would have more understanding of the issues that, you are facing yourself, and uh, you could you could build on that and go for employment or self-employment or some form of economic independence. So uh, I think education is the key, and uh, they have also a very large number of very good uh, non-government organizations who are also working there. Uh, they have quite a few professionals into this field, and the professionals and the persons with disabilities are working very closely together. So uh, it, it, it's really progressing quite fast. So in India, you're saying that there are a lot of that there are people in white collar professional jobs with disabilities, such as wheelchairs, blind, deaf, those yes, type of. Yes, they are coming up. 
they have a very strong they also have a very strong disability rights commission uh with ev- uh, with a commissioner in every single state in many of those uh, states you'll find the commissioners are themselves are persons with disabilities so so they are they are progressing a lot hmm. and again this could be a myth then but like a lot of people in the united states feel that people in india that a lot of them are not working with disabilities, that a lot of them are beggars or kept at home, you know, not uh, not taken out into the public, and that there's even a great shortage of wheelchairs. Is that not correct? Yes, that is correct, because it's a country with over a billion people. So, so uh, for instance, uh, if you look at Bangladesh, uh, we are the size of about the state of Wisconsin, and uh, we have our population is about half of the us population 150 million people so it's it's almost similar in india only that they are a far far bigger country with a far far bigger population uh so even though they have a lot of resources if you go to the remote rural areas uh in bangladesh or india or pakistan or nepal you'll you'll find that there is a lot of difference between the rich and the poor. So in the townships or in the large cities, you'll find a lot of resources. You'll find established uh, organizations. Uh, you'll find good scope for employment. And you'll also find people being employed in very good positions. But if you go to the remote rural areas, it's an d- entirely different story there. My other question is, the people that are educated, that do get to go to college and have an education, yeah. would these be people that are more affluent? In most cases, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give an example in Bangladesh. As I was talking about the, the school structure, uh, 80% of our country is rural. Uh, and while I, while I was saying that standard class size is one, one teacher for 60 students. If you go to the rural areas, you'll find many schools where you have only three teachers. And those teachers don't have any training on disability. And in many of those classes, you'll go and see there are even 100 children uh, that one teacher ha- has to teach. So it's extremely difficult. While on the one hand, we're talking about inclusive education, uh, which is more uh, cost-effective, which promotes inclusion, uh, which promotes socialization, uh, which promotes awareness of non-disabled children towards disability. But uh, practically, it's not possible to get a disabled child into that into that classroom because the teacher is already uh, finding it difficult managing an unmanageable size of 100-plus children and doesn't have any education on, on how to how to train or how to work with disabled children. So we're, we're trying to get uh, disability issues very strongly into the teacher's training curriculum uh, so that whatever teacher we have, they have an understanding, a thorough understanding on disabilities. So, That's wonderful. Yeah. Because to me, education is the key. And it's so exciting for me to hear the progress that is being made. I mean, I know it isn't great, but hey, we still have a lot of problems right here in the United States 
finding employment for Americans with significant disabilities. So hearing how far it has progressed, I think that is absolutely fantastic. And I also commend you, Nafis, for what you're doing. Uh, I'll just I'll just add to that in in Bangladesh what we are doing is we don't have this formal employment but you've possibly heard of uh, the microfinance uh, yes the, the microcredit this is this is something Bangladesh has given to the world uh, you've possibly heard of this great person called Dr Yunus who won the Nobel Prize last year for his uh, this uh, very uh, innovative approach. And this has been extremely successful in our country. So we have plenty of uh, non-government organizations who are operating with this uh, microcredit scheme. Uh, The government itself has taken up a microcredit program for persons with disabilities. And also uh, we have four different banks uh, which are operated by the the government with uh, thousands of branches across the country. And the government has given specific instructions to these banks that they have to give loans to disabled people. So uh, now you would understand that a bank would not give a loan to a person without a guarantor. So here, either the NGO leaders or the government social services officers, they act as guarantors so that the people with disabilities, they can access the loans. So from the, from the non-government organizations, we are giving them the skills. We are training them up and so that they can start a small business. And they, they can either access a loan from the, from the NGO itself or from the government social services department or from the banks or even from all three of them and start up a bigger business. So, so that's how we're, we're the, the disabled people are trying to survive. And that is awesome, hearing about that entrepreneurial spirit. But right now, we've got to go to break for a minute. You are listening to Nafis Rahman, my guest who is the director of the National Forum of Organizations Working with the Disabled. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice on voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Nafis. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, (laughs) she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Uh Uh-huh. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water... 
No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. <laughs> Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at pornlearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. If you just tuned in, first, what a great surprise for you. I, we're so lucky that Nafis is visiting us here in the United States and that he was willing and able to appear as a guest on our radio show, referred by Andy Imperato. He is the director of the National Forum of Organizations Working with the Disabled. I know if you just tuned in, you're saying, why does Joyce Bender sound different? That's because I have a cold. But, as I said earlier, the show must go on, especially when we have a great man like Nafis, telling us about the great things that are going on in Bangladesh. Uh, Let me ask you this, Nafis. What do you tell leaders in other parts of the world when you try to get them interested in quality of life and education or access to education for people with disabilities? Well, I I think here uh, when we're talking to leaders of any country, my country, or any other country, the United States or any other. The first thing is that when we're talking about quality of life, it's of people. Disabled people are firstly people like anyone else. So when we're talking of quality of life of any citizen of the world, why do we have to talk about quality of life differently for persons with disabilities? So if, if, if we're talking about non-disabled people and disabled people separately, then, then I think we're, we're trying to make a divide over there. So I, 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 think, I think firstly and foremost, let's talk about people. So that, that, that's, that's, what, that's what I try to say to everybody. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Even when I talk to people about people with disabilities. It's like I always have to say that. They're not aliens. Yes. They didn't come from out of the world. It's, it's the same family member. It's, uh, it's the same neighbor. It's my same sibling or my child or my parent. You know, so, so why do we have to think anything different? Right. I know. Well, let me ask you this question from a Tony in Kansas. That is, uh, Dr. Robin, would you say in Bangladesh, for people with disabilities, what is it like for access to health care? It's a a very interesting question. Uh, I've I've been to the U.S. uh, for two months, and here I've seen that you have a very interesting health care system here. Uh, which I find actually no sense at all. Uh, if you have money, you have access to health care. If you don't have money, if you don't have insurance, 
you don't have access to health care. Uh, well, well, you do have access to health care only when you're in such bad shape that the, the hospital has to take care of you paying so much extra money, uh, which they could have done in the first case with, with so little cost. In, in, in Bangladesh, we don't, we don't have a very strong health care system. Uh, we don't have any insurance system at all. Uh, it's supposed to be free. You, we have plenty of uh, public hospitals, uh, and it's, it's almost a standard for all public hospitals. Uh, you need to pay uh, an admission fee, which is very little, close to about uh, 30 cents in the U.S., and you get, you sh- you're supposed to get access to all types of medical care. Uh, yes, they do have paying beds. Yes, they do have special cabins where you get special treatment on payment. But for general people, uh, the, the health care is supposed to be free of cost. Uh, now, as, as good as it sounds, uh, it's actually not as good as that because the hospitals... Uh, the larger hospitals would be, say, uh, if you have, go to a 500-bed hospital, any given day you will go and find more than at least 1,500 patients admitted there. Uh, you will find patients not only on the beds, you'll find them on the floors, in the corridors, any space available, patients are lying there. Uh, so the hospitals, uh, which have an annual budget to cater for 500 patients every day. Uh, they are so overstretched, uh, the hospitals cannot provide that kind of treatment. So people have to pay for it. People have to buy the... Uh, they get the prescriptions free, of course, but they have to buy the, buy the uh, medicines or other supplies from, from the nearby stores. So it's, it, it, it's not a very good system in any case. Uh, when I was talking to one of uh, our health uh, bureaucrats in, in, in the government uh, in charge of the health ministry. He was joking that, look, uh, we don't make any discrimination. Nobody gets anything. So it, it, it's almost as bad as that, yes. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting assessment that you gave also. So hopefully as we move forward this year, we're going to see what changes occur based on who becomes the next president of yes, the United I think, States. I think that's, that's a very important issue because the whole world is also looking, looking forward to, to a change in the, US, in the U.S. policies, not only on disability but for, for many other reasons. Yes. <clears throat> I know that when 9-11 first happened, it seemed like we were so loved by so many countries. You yes. know, they felt terrible. But that has changed. So, we, you know, we have a lot of things happening in this country right now. So we'll see what happens as we move forward. It will be interesting to see that. And I'm sure that throughout the world people are following, will it be Senator Clinton, will it be Senator Obama, or will it be Senator McCain? I'm sure that everyone is probably watching that just as much as we are. Yes. Well, listen, I wanted to ask you, uh, Nafis, what do you hope to accomplish while you visit the United States? Well, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a two-month program, and it's almost at the end of uh, the two months now. Uh, well, 
two months is, is quite a long time to be away from your own country, from your own work. Uh, and we do have a very hectic work sh- schedule back in my country. But uh, if you're visiting the, the U.S. for two months, uh, this is my first visit to this country. And, and uh, I've, I've been to cities uh, all over, actually, I should say, from the, from the East Coast to the West Coast, from the North to the South to Central. I, I, I've, I've been to many of these places, and it's such a big country with such diverse issues, such diverse population, such diverse problems, uh, and also diverse resources. Uh, so it's it's uh, it's difficult to see the whole country or understand or get to understand the whole country in two months. But uh, what I try to do from this is uh, form good networks or expand our network and meet as many people as possible, see as many different types of programs as possible, uh, seeing how far. Uh, technology has advanced in this country and how far it can positively affect the lives of persons with disabilities. Uh, Not that it it will, or we're expecting to see a replication of that technology in my country in the next 10 years because we simply can't afford it. But also it's good to see how how this can change and uh, give some hope to people in our country. Uh, And at the same time, meeting some small organizations in very small townships because there I've seen a lot of similarity between those organizations and and the organizations back in my country and try to form uh, a network with these, link up the organizations back in my country with with these here uh, so that they can learn from each other or or they can share uh, what is being done where and and, uh, change those things into their own different contexts. So it, it's been a very interesting experience for me. And uh, I should thank the Eisenhower Fellowships uh, for, for giving me this extremely great opportunity. Well, I also want to say how happy we are to have you here with us. And I hope that while you are here and you meet people like Andy and Parado and come on this radio show, that you will meet more and more people uh, like myself and a CEO of three different companies, but yet a woman with epilepsy. As you meet more and more people with disabilities, I hope that will just help you more in the work you're doing throughout the world. But right now, we have to take a minute and go to break. We have had as our guest today a great man, and I know you're enjoying this show with Nafis Rahman the director of the National Forum of Organizations Working with the Disabled. And it has been such an honor to have him. But we'll be back again. Just hold on. We're going to break for a minute. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back to close the show.
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Albert Einstein once said, nothing happens until something moves. Will your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away. Tune into Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney and Free Your Mind. Open your heart and ignite action in your life. Host and commander in change, empowerment coach, and international speaker, Scott Chesney shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognizable transformationalists and leaders around the world, as well as those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney broadcast each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. If you just joined us, we've been talking to Nafish Rahman, director of the National Forum of organizations working with the disabled. And remember, if you just tuned in, this show will be archived on BenderConsult.com and on VoiceAmerica.com as they have been for the past four years. So make sure, go back, tell your friends, listen to the show. Nafis, I did want to ask you before we end the show today a few last questions, but one is what did it mean to you to be named an Eisenhower Fellow, I, I think I think this is the, it meant the world to me. You know, it, it it it's such a big honor to be an Eisenhower Fellow. Uh, if if you know about it, uh, fine. Uh, just just to give you a few things about it, it unlike any other fellowship, this is a fellowship for life. This two months is just the beginning phase, and it's such a great honor to be part of a global network of people from all different kinds of professions. There are close to 1,800 fellows now across the world. And uh, from it, it's also good to know that uh, the Eisenhower Fellowship is looking at disability issues. I'm not the first person here in the disability field. We've had a fellow from Pakistan a few years earlier working on disability. We've had a fellow from Ireland last year who was a disabled person herself, doing great amount of work. And uh, from here, we, we get into this network of, of so many different 
leaders of the world in, in, in different countries. And that is a huge boost to what you are doing or what you have been doing. Uh, it just gives you the drive to go on from here uh, to, to a next level. So it does mean a lot to me, yes, and my organization, my country, yes. Yes, and congratulations, because that is a very, very prestigious and great honor. So congratulations to you. Um, we were talking a little bit about Bangladesh. What changes do you see coming in the future with the government there? Uh, it's, it's, been, it's been a very interesting uh, few years for us in Bangladesh, policy-wise. Uh, you see, uh, this UN convention, uh, it has been... Uh, such a boost for the global movement, especially for Bangladesh. Uh, you possibly know that Bangladesh was the eighth country to ratify this, this convention. And uh, we are also, the government has also decided that uh, it's going to ratify the optional protocol. So we are going all the, the full, uh, all the way with this convention. And uh, even though it's a resource-starved country, uh, Policy-wise, we're making a lot of changes. You see, unless disabled people are mainstreamed in the, in the mainstream development agenda of a country, they will never uh, come across or uh, get over with the problems. And a country will also, the country's economy will also, also struggle. So that is a recognition that our government has now. And what they've done is, we have a national poverty reduction strategy paper. So we have got disability issues into that. Uh, we have a national primary education development program. We've got disability issues into that. Uh, we have, since it's a country which has plenty of disasters, natural disasters every year, we have a national disaster policy. We've mainstreamed disability issues into that. We have a national food policy. We've got disability issues into that. The national sports policy, that has also become disability inclusive. Uh, in 46 different ministries and departments, we have a disability focal person now. And we're trying to give these people the right kind of orientation on how to take up disability issues in their own work. So the, the signing and ratification of the convention for a country like Bangladesh was not only in paper. We, were, we understood what we are doing, the government own the whole decision, and they're working towards it. We should thank the World Bank because they're, they're coming up with a big support for disability movement in Bangladesh. They're putting in $22 million uh, as, a, as a loan to the government. And the government is taking that loan uh, from the World Bank, a large sum, believing that it's going to make a difference in our country uh, for the lives and livelihoods and rights of persons with disabilities. So that's a big change we're seeing in our country. And we're pretty excited about that. That's good. And that is exciting. That's wonderful. Yes. That is truly wonderful. Um, and, and I just hope that things keep moving in the direction that you've just said. Uh, well, tell me what. Now, listen, you have, you have so many great accomplishments, and many they are. Uh, but the last two questions, this is one of the last two, I have asked every listener on the show for the past four years. So let me ask you, of all these accomplishments you have, what are you the proudest of today? 
Uh, proudest? I don't know. Uh, I think I, uh, I, I think for me, uh, trying to pinpoint one is difficult. Uh, I've had so many proud moments in my life. Uh, I think the f- I would start with the first, that I, I made a career shift, uh, came into this field, and am doing a very meaningful job. Uh, it's not only a job that I have, it's, it's something I live, I, I believe in, uh, and I want to continue as a non-disabled person coming into this field, uh, promoting disabled people in my country. I think that is that that making that decision is, I think, the proudest uh, thing for me. Well, that is, you have so many; it's very hard to choose them. It's difficult, yes. Yes. Well, let me ask you this, Raman: If you had one message that you could leave with our listeners throughout the world today, what would it be? Believe in yourself. Believe in your abilities, wherever you are, whoever you are. Whatever your limitations are, believe in yourself and believe in your own abilities. I think I think that is that is the biggest thing that can drive a person. Uh, I think I think I, I believe in that. Uh, I believe in that, and I think I think that is what should drive a person. Yeah. I believe in that also, Nafis, and I just want to tell you we all believe in you. And we are just so proud of you. And thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule thank to be you. with us on the show thank today. Thank you so much. And it's, it's, it's been an honor being on this show. I've seen the list of people. Uh, I, I, I feel ashamed when you call me a global leader. I'm only just a little person uh, in this whole, whole very big movement. We have so much to do. Uh, so long a path to go from here. Uh, But this has been an honor being on your show. Thank you very much, and thank you to your listeners also. Oh, it has been our pleasure. And if we want to follow what you're doing, how do we, where do we go on the website? Uh, We do have a website, which is not a very great one. Uh, It's www.nfowd.com. A suggestion I would make? Link it to this show. So you'll get more people with disabilities going there. That's yes. what I would do. Yes, but it, we, we don't have much resources to keep it going, uh, you know, update it regularly. But I understand that now that we do have to find resources to do that. Yes. Well, it was a pleasure, absolute pleasure having you on the show. And I'll tell you what, Nafis, at the end of the show, we end with a quote from a famous civil rights leader or leader throughout the world. So today, we'll use your own message, believe in yourself, from Nafis Rahman, believe in yourself and your abilities. What a great message and how true it is. Thank you so much, Nafis, for joining us. And to all of my listeners, you're awesome, wonderful. I'll see you next week. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice on Disability Matters at voiceamerica.com.
Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.